Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Well, 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 well. How many of you are glad you're not me right now? Yeah, week, week one, we kicked this off and we talked about friendship, friendship goals. Week two, I think we, we spoke specifically to singles and from singles. Last week, if, if you were here, we honored dads for Father's Day and we talked about dad goals. And today, we're going to talk about sex. Now, I debated, yes, I'm like, amen. I debated, I really, you know, considered how do you get started in a conversation like this? Um, you know, I, I guess one of my, my, my first thoughts, when Alexa was just maybe in the second grade, she was maybe seven years old, I remember you know, we were running some errands, you know, mama had us out doing some stuff and got some honeydews, and so I, Alexa was tagging along, it was just father-daughter, and you know, when you're doing work, fellas, how many of you, when you're running errands and taking care of stuff, you just get hungry? How many... Yeah, I don't think rationally or constructively if I've got an empty stomach. So, you know, about middle of the day, it was lunchtime. I'm like, hey, it's time to eat. Let's go eat what you want to eat. Part of my favorite parts of the day, some of my favorite conversations are, hey, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? Where you want? So when somebody tells me that, hey, where you want to eat, I just get happy inside. So I'm like, Alexa, where you want to eat? And so she picked some little sandwich shop. And, and so we pulled up and, you know, got out the car. And as we walked in, I, I held the door. I pulled the door open for her. And she stopped and she looked at me and she said, Dad, is this a date? <laughs> and I kind of had to play it off, you know. Like, I wasn't really thinking that way. But, yeah, of course it is, baby. Yes, it is. It is a date with your daddy. Come right on in here. And so we made our order and we got seated. And she just seemed to be so pleased to be on a date with her dad. I never get sitting across the table from her and her little feet didn't even touch the ground. She just back and forth, pigtail. It's just cute as a button. I got to thinking, a date. I said, okay, Alexa, what's a date? She said, well, it's when a boy and girl get together. How many know I was getting nervous right there? It's when a boy and girl get together and they run off and hide so they can kiss. No, no. I, I don't know who told you that, but that is not what happens on a date. Really? So it kind of, we start unrolling this conversation. So baby, listen, let, let me tell you what a date looks like. When, when you're ready to date in about 30 or 40 years from now, come on, fellas, how many you with me? When you're about, you know, in your mid to late 30s, early 40s, and you start to be interested in guys, let me tell you how this works. A guy will always go out of his way to take care of the girl. A girl should never have to open the door by herself. He's going to be a perfect gentleman and look out for her. So I'm kind of explaining this and talking her through different elements of it. And I say, you know, and when you do get ready to date, the first guy that comes pulling up in my driveway and honks his horn expecting you to come out, I'm going to answer the door with a shotgun. (laughs) And I feel that if I shoot him and leave his dead body on the doorstep... 
It will serve as a warning to future guys that may be interested in you. Come on, dads, where we at? Where we at? I believe in gun control. I have a gun and I am in control. And her eyes are just, oh. So I'm trying to help her through this whole dating and romance and guy-girl thing. And we finished lunch, jumped back in the car. Man, we finally made it back home. And so we pull up in the driveway and I get out the car to get my stuff together. And I'm trying to get in the, the house and find my keys. And I look, I'm like, where's Alexa? Where's Alexa? And there she is seated in the car like, Dad, you said that a girl should never have to open the door by herself. How many know I've been opening a lot of doors over the last few years? Sex. We don't talk about it, do we? How many of you, just out of curiosity, growing up as a kid, how many of you never had a conversation with your parents about sex? Wow. Second question. How many of you growing up in church never heard a sermon about sex? Question, where are we going to learn about it if we don't hear about it from mom and dad, if we don't hear about it from the pastor, where are we going to get our sex education? YouTube? Lord, help us. The internet? The locker room? You can let neighborhood friends? This is such an important topic. Where are we supposed to learn about something so important as intimacy? Does God throw love at us like some hand grenade and say, we'll just fiddle around with it until you figure it out? (laughs) No, that's the problem. People are blown up and they're in pieces because they've never heard the correct and proper and biblical context of sexual intimacy. Can I have a better amen? You say, but Mike, this is so embarrassing. It's a little awkward. It's kind of uncomfortable. And even to say the the S word in church. (sighs) Can I tell you? They're talking about it everywhere else. They're talking about it at school. They're talking about it among their friends. I'm telling you, music movies. It's even in the mail. You can't go anywhere without somebody saying something or showing something that's sexual. Can I have a better amen? I'm t- it's, it's, it's everywhere. Sex, it sells everything from toothpaste to tires. Come on, somebody. But yet we can't talk about it in church. Can I tell you, the world's not silent when it comes to this topic. So the church better not be silent either. In fact, I would dare say this, that God is not uncomfortable talking to us about something he's created for us. Can I say that again? Because I know sometimes we kind of tiptoe around this. It's a little uncomfortable. It's a little awkward. Is it appropriate? I'm not quite sure. Question, where did sex come from? Who invented passion? Yeah, yeah. okay, let's get right to it. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, God is the author of sex. God is. God's the author of sex, and he has a lot to say about it. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 1. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Scripture says this, Then God blessed, everybody say blessed. Oh, I love it. Then God blessed. 
blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, what does that mean? Well, well, I I, I don't know. Wow, King James, it's just so, ooh, be fruitful. Does that need to go go plant an orchard somewhere? I mean, be fruitful. Is that an agricultural term? No, can I tell you what he's saying? He's saying, have sex. Have lots of it. Why? Be fruitful and multiply. Now listen, I don't know what translation of the Bible you read, but I've memorized this in six different translations. <laughs> and they all mean the same thing. God blessed it. How many know there's a blessing on sex? God's blessed it. Who's he blessing? He's blessing people that he created. Man and woman, he's blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Have sex. Have lots of it. Here's why. Because I want you to fill the earth. I want you to govern it. I want you to reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Skip on down to verse 31. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was what? Now, it wasn't just good. Here's what's interesting. You read the story of creation, and six days, God always did something. And after he did it, he looked down and he said, it's good. This is the one thing that God looked down and said, it is very good. Can I have a better amen? Some of you are feeling a little bit cautious right now. In my mind, I'm seeing this, and I don't know if you have a good imagination like I do. Sometimes I, I read the scriptures, and I'll think of things and say, man, how did this actually play out? I can just see in, my, in, in the mind of my own spirit, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit having the first ever committee meeting in heaven. And they get together because you read the, the biblical account of creation, you'll see that all three, the Trinity was there. I mean, it wasn't just God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They were all involved in this thing. And after each and every day, whether it was the land, whether it was the sea, whether it was the stars in the sky, plants or animals. And, and here they are, the three of them are, are together and they're looking over what's created. And Jesus says to God, he says, wow, the glory, the splendor. And, and God, you just spoke that into existence. Wow, through the blast of your nostrils. I mean, Psalm says, man, he just sneezed and boom, there it was. God, that was amazing. Then the Holy Spirit looks down and he sees man and woman. It's whoa, made in our image. Whoa, God, how are we going to make more of them? And God says, huddle up, huddle up, guys, huddle up. And Jesus is like, And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, God, you are so good. You are too good. Those people are going to have so much fun. (laughs) I'll tell you something. Sex is not dirty. It's not evil. It's not wicked. It's not immoral. Sex is sacred because God is the author of sex. He created it. Now, watch this. Sex is so special that God would give us this gift and he would say, within the context of marriage, one man and one woman, I want you to enjoy this beautiful gift that I've given you. In fact, I'll dare say this. The Bible is the greatest sex manual ever written. 
Because if God is the author of sex, why would we let man's commentary become more important than what God created? God created it and he blessed it. We read it in Genesis 1.28. And he gave it as a gift for a man and woman to share within the commitment and covenant of marriage. The Bible is. The Bible's the sex manual. Because sex was God's idea. What man's idea? It came from the heart and the spirit of Almighty God. In fact, the Bible's filled with so much about sex and intimacy. And sometimes I wonder if, as a church, we've surrendered that to the enemy and we've let him take center stage. We've let culture, we've let individuals or movements take the loudest central position when God says, wait a second, no, 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 no. I got so much to say about this. In fact, do you know the Bible is really a a library of 66 different books from Genesis to Revelation? And do you know there's an entire book of the Bible that shows you the picture of a man and woman having sex? It's called the Song of Solomon. You ever heard of the Song of Solomon? Can I tell you? The Song of Solomon was the only book that was edited and censored by the first century church. The Christians would not let their boys read the Song of Solomon because they were afraid it would just stir up so much passion. So a Jewish boy had to wait till he was 13 years old before he could read the Song of Solomon. In the Song of Solomon, it's a story of a couple, a husband and a wife. It shows the art of dating and romance, the co- commitment and covenant of marriage. And it shows this couple having sex twice. That's your Bible. In fact, I remember when I was a college pastor years ago, I was teaching out of the Song of Solomon to college students. And we got to one of those steamy, racy portions of Scripture. And it's like, whoo. Face get real up in here. And man, so we're reading it, and as I'm reading it, I notice there's a guy on the front row. He does this. <laughs> he had to make sure that what he was reading was the Bible. Listen, let's let's bring the, the gift of intimacy and sex back to where it's supposed to be. This is authored by God. And it's blessed by God to be shared in the way that he's provided for it to be shared. Can I have a good amen? If you don't know God's commentary on sex, where are you getting your information from? You might be taking your cues from culture. And let me tell you this. Culture will lie to you. Straight up lie to you. Culture will lie to you and then laugh at you once you believe that lie. Culture's never told the truth. I mean, ladies, remember back in the 80s? Remember the 80s? Big bangs, big hairspray. Culture was lying to you. (laughs) Fellas, remember those coaches' shorts you used to wear? Little little bun hugger shorts, some little high-waisted, and the, the tube socks with the gold trim. Come on, how many remember those? And that members only fanny pack? Come on, talk to me. Culture's lying to you. Listen, when it comes to sex and relationships, God is the author of it. Now, the second thing you need to know, and this is equally important, number two, if God is the author of sex, you need to know this. The devil is the king of cropping. The devil's the king of cropping. You know what I mean when I say cropping? Uh, we live in such a digital, you know, pictorial you know, age, everybody's taking pictures. 
and I love it, Facebook and Instagram, and we're posting things, we're capturing moments, but, but through technology, we have the capacity to edit certain photos. Cropping is the ability to cut some things out that you don't want people to see. We have the ability to take a photo and manipulate it and highlight certain things and eliminate other things. We'll crop some things out. How many has ever taken a group photo and the first thing you do, what's the first thing you do when you see a group photo that, you, that you're in? You're looking for yourself, right? You're going to take that, you go, oh, let's, let's kind of, oh, where am I? Oh, man, I can't stand that. That's a terrible picture. Why? Well, my eyes were closed. I got booger in my nose. Or I just, I don't, I look fat. You know, never mind there's 10 other people in the photo. It's not, it's not good because you don't look good, right? Or you get that group photo and you looking strong. I mean, it was just, it caught you just right. And so what do you do? You crop out the other nine people and that photo now becomes your new Facebook, your new Instagram. Hey, 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 how you like me? Cropping is cutting away things that you don't want people to see. And it's also giving you the ability to highlight things you do. And when it comes to sex, when it comes to intimacy, the devil is the king of cropping. There's certain things about his pathway and the plans of the world he doesn't want you to see. Now, one of the most important things you're going to hear me say today, and I want you to take this to heart. You may need to write this down. You need to know the devil has no real power. The the devil has no real power. Watch this. Only the power to deceive. That's it. When Jesus died on the cross, man, he broke the back of the enemy. And and the restraints of darkness and bondage, all that stuff. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, we have freedom. We're no longer slaves. The enemy's been defeated. He's got no real power, but he does have the power to deceive. And unfortunately, many people today are deceived when it comes to this topic. It's obvious that something in our culture is broken when it comes to sex and sexuality. When couple, and, and let's, let's remove the, the, the spiritual element just for a moment, and let's just look at statistics. Couples that move in together before they're married and they're sexually active, statistically, percentages tell us that they have a higher chance, the divorce rate is higher among men and women that engage in premarital sex than those who wait and they commit in the covenant of marriage. I mean, you think about it. Sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, those percentages of of people who have actually admitted to, yes, I've been unfaithful. And so the the trends, you see it rising. And it's almost like the, the covenant and commitment of marriage. It's not what it used to be, at least not in terms of culture. Pornography. Would you consider this? Did you know that pornography is a multi billion dollar industry? pornography. It is everywhere and it's easy and it's accessible. It's easier to be sucked into pornography now than ever before in the history of the world. I bet you didn't know this, that pornography, the the pornography industry makes more money than the NFL, than the NBA and major league baseball combined, combined. It is, porn is the fastest growing industry and it's everywhere and it's sucking in our sons and our daughters. 
when it comes to even gender identity. I'm going to show you how confused we are culturally now. Do you know that there are some colleges that will uh, give an application? If a student wants to apply to get into school, normally back in the day when it said gender, you checked either one of two boxes, right? Do you know there are some colleges now? I saw an, uh, an app to get into a college that had, when it came to gender, there were six different choices. Six. Uh, Who thinks of this stuff? How far will it go? It shows you that the devil is the king of cropping. Look at what the scripture says in Proverbs 5. And and I'm going to read this verse to my son one day. When he gets of age, now he thinks he's of age now. He's eight years old. He told me last night, he's like, Dad, I'm going to church tomorrow. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I'm going to be there. I said, boy, you get your behind up in that kid's desert right now. (laughs) One day I'll read this verse. And let me read. This is not my commentary. This is the scripture. These are the words of the Lord. Proverbs 5, verse 15. Look what the Bible says. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. You see, God's not against love. He's not against sex or intimacy or pleasure. He's saying, have all the pleasure you want, but share it with your wife. Only with your wife. Verse 16, why spill the water of your springs in the streets? Having sex with just anyone. You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. I'm telling you, we live in a hookup culture. Never shared with strangers. In fact, verse 18, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. Finally, he says this, an evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. I want you to know, hear me, church, the devil will never show you the finish line of your decisions. He only wants you to see what's right in front of you. The the devil will bait you with pleasure and then blast you with pain. And the scripture gives warning. Oh, we need to teach our sons and our daughters. God is for you. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he would put boundaries for you to experience this. Everybody say boundaries. You need to write that word down somewhere. That's an important word because we don't talk about that a lot. It's not popular to talk about boundaries, especially in our country when we want our freedoms. We want all of our freedoms, man. Don't, don't call me into any kind of boundary. Don't restrain me from doing anything. I'm free. I can do what I want. Can I tell you? It's a loving God that would set boundaries for his children. Random question, okay? Let me ask you this. How many of you just kind of arbitrarily set fire to your house? Anybody? No? A few people? Livingston Parish? I don't know. We're, Ascension, I don't, we all like fire. In Ascension Parish, we all like to set stuff on fire. How many just randomly, arbitrarily just light fires in your house? You don't do that, do you? Question, how many of you have a fireplace? Okay, watch this. 
that fireplace, how many love just a, a, a warm fire on a cold night? Man, there's something about a fire that brings light, it brings heat, it brings joy. But why? A fire has bricks. It's restrained by glass and metal. And because of the boundaries, that fireplace can be the centerpiece of the, whole, of the entire home. But what happens if that fire were to get outside of those boundaries? How many know you're going to burn the whole house down? And that's exactly what happens when people engage in sexual activity that's outside of the boundaries in which God has set. And the whole, the, the whole life is set on fire. God says, listen, I want sex to bring warmth and light and joy to your relationship, but it's got to be within the boundaries. Listen, sex before marriage is outside of the boundaries. Sex outside of marriage is outside of the boundaries. Listen, all those that are single, I want to tell you this. Before you say, I do, learn to say, I don't. And God doesn't give us boundaries. And any parent will tell you this. How many know we set boundaries for our children, not for their restriction, but for their protection? And when it comes to sex, God gives us boundaries, not to take the joy out of life, but to take the sting out of it. Come on, somebody. And so out of love and compassion, we'll say, no, don't do Oh, but dad, I just want to, I want to take my finger and I want to stick it in that electrical socket. You don't love me. Why would you let me just put my finger right here? Okay, so here we go. Okay, don't see that. Don't do that. Now come over here. See that hot burner on the stove? Give me your hand. Okay, don't do that either. Now tomorrow, I'm going to teach you about traffic. I mean, no, we don't do that to our children, do we? Because we love them, we warn them, and God gives us warning. You know, sex is the one issue. It can be confusing because when you're single, it's forbidden. No, 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 don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Ooh, don't, whoa. But then as soon as you get married, it's like, whoo, yeah, baby. Go ahead, it's blessed. Problem is sometimes we got single people acting like they're married. And we got married people acting like they're single. Okay, let me just get back to the scripture right here. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Let me rewind that. Do not deprive. Now, he's speaking to married couples. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. Somebody say limited. So, and why would you do that? For a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. You'd say no to sex for a season so you can fast and pray. Don't be fasting and praying for six months. Come on, somebody. It's a season to pray. But watch what he says here. Afterwards, you should come together again. Why? So that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. All the married couples, God's saying, listen, this is a gift that I've given to you. You need to use it in holiness, in purity, in unselfishness, in godliness to serve one another so you don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. 
Now, I realize that when, when, when you're married and you've got small kids, uh, let's say this, when you first get married, sex is spontaneous. But how many know kids come along and they change everything? Sex goes from being spontaneous to needing an appointment. <laughs> Go ahead and make the appointment. Come on, talk to me. It's so important. Don't give the enemy any leverage into your marriage by withholding sex from each other. Don't use sex as a weapon to punish your spouse. And when you got small kids, you got to be creative in, in, in how you, you come together. <laughs> Thank God for iPads and, and Barney. How many ever used that as a distraction? I'm going to set you up on the iPad right here. I love you. You'd be right there. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug. It's <laughs> terrible. To this day, I'm telling you, to this day, when I hear the Barney theme song, it, wants me, it makes me want to make out with my wife. <laughs> is my face as red as my shirt right now? <laughs> Brother Wayne says this, one of my favorite quotes that Brother Wayne says. He says, you know you're getting old when your wife tells you to come upstairs to make love and you know you can't do both. Come on, meet me at step seven, baby. Come on, we'll be right there. Okay, all right, let me, let me land the plane. Land the plane. Y'all with me? Everybody good? God is the author of sex, number one. The devil is the king of cropping, number two. Now, let me give you this final point, and I want to ask the band to come up. Let me give you this final thought, final thought. Here's the thing, number three. You can honor God with your bod. You can do this. I'm telling you, you can honor God with your body. Let me read this final scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Paul says this. He says, run. Come on, somebody say run. Run. He didn't say waltz or stroll or just kind of casually. No, he said run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, I can do whatever I want with my body. It's my body. I'll make my choice. I'll decide. Oh, no, no, no. The Bible says your body is not your own. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this, has, this says something when it comes to all of sexuality. When it comes to abortion or when it comes to, you know, pre- premarital sex or even, you know, gender transitioning. Wait a second, wait a second. Your body is not your own. The Bible says, don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you. How did he buy you? Jesus. See, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes our thoughts about sexuality and what's right and what's not, what's honoring to God or what's pleasing to to ourselves. The Bible says God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your bod. I love that. Here's the question that each and every one of us needs to answer when it comes to sex and intimacy. Because maybe you're here today and you're single. Maybe you're engaged 
Maybe you're married. Maybe you're married with kids. Maybe you're a grandparent or, you know, all different stages and seasons of life as it relates to this particular topic. But I think the question each and every one of us needs to ask is this. God, when it comes to my sexuality, what pleases you? What is it that's pleasing to you? And here's what I've discovered. Oh, don't miss this. If we do what's pleasing to God, then there's a blessing in it for us. Tell you what, if this thing came from God, we ought to listen to God and ask him, Lord, how can I please you in my sexuality? Whatever that means in whatever stage or season of life I find myself in, Lord, I'm going to surrender this thing to you. And when your sex is surrendered to God, that's something God can bless. But if our pursuit in sex is to please ourselves, then we're not going to find the blessing of God. And that's why so many people are struggling under hurt and heartache of things in their past. And God's saying, oh, if you just listen to me, let me help you with this. Let me heal you from this. Let me set you free from this if you'll trust me with your sexuality. You know, Rachel and I, we, we dated for four years. My entire college career, we, we dated long distance which I think was good for us. It forced us to communicate. We, we had to talk. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have text messaging. The email was just getting started. You know what we did? We wrote letters. Post office. Put a stamp on it. Put it in the mail. Wait three or four days. She got something. She'd write, send it back to me. That's how we did Four years we dated. So when I graduated college then, we made a decision to get married. And I'll never forget July 27th, 1996. Almost 20 years ago. This year we'll celebrate 20. July 27, 1996, on this property, in that building that you drove past when you first came on campus. That building was half of its size. We call it the annex. That was our, one of our original meeting places for church. And we packed that place out. I think there must have been four or 500 people that showed up at our wedding. And I was so excited. That day marked one of the highlights of my life. I mean, a lot of the guys from the basketball team, you know, they, they were there. Um, you know, my grandparents, first time they ever flew an airplane. They came down from Missouri to be a part of my wedding. They were there. Some of my coaches were there. But you know what? I was there to see one person. I was there to see that girl right there. And when she came walking down the aisle, man, it just, th- th- that moment to see a picture of the grace of God coming to me, I'm like, And let me tell you, we dated four years, but it was difficult. We had to fight for sexual purity. It wasn't something we just drifted in. We loved God and were committed to God so much that we said, you know what, we're going to save ourselves. And I know that that's, uh, that's not popular these days. But we were virgins on that day. And we didn't bring any history or, or, or baggage. And I say that to the glory of God. She comes down that aisle. I mean, I'm telling you what, love make you do crazy things. I got up and I sang a country love song to that girl. <laughs> Played it on a keyboard. So let the world stop turning. Let the sun stop. And I'm just pouring my heart out, playing and singing. Tears were coming down her cheeks. I wondered why she was crying. It was so bad. <laughs> we held hands and we looked at each other. And we made promises to God and to one another. 
she told me, I will never divorce you. I told her, thank you for helping me to stay pure. We kissed. A lot of kissing. <laughs> Ran across the street for our reception. It wasn't Rafino's. It wasn't Donardo's. It was Highland House. I don't know if you remember that 20 years ago. That reception was a blur. I don't remember a thing about it. I was so excited to jump in that limo. We hopped in that limo. We were headed down to New Orleans, baby. We go into the Hilton. Rolling in that car. I'm telling that driver, can you get there any faster? We check into that hotel. Woo, got up into our room. Some like, man, where are you going with this, Pastor? <laughs> man, I was so nervous. I was scared out of my mind. I mean, you know, for my whole life. You know, don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't entertain it. Now, here I find myself, who is my wedding night? She's in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what's going to happen? Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I sat on the end of the bed, and she comes out and sits beside me. And, you know, we were, we were engaged for 281 days. And every single day, I kept a journal. And I titled it, 281 Reasons Why I Love You. We sat on the end of that bed, and we went through that journal and read every single one. We turned around, and we knelt down, and we said, Lord, we have consecrated this moment for you and have saved it for one another. God, I pray that you would bless our marriage from this day forward. May we only have eyes and heart and feelings for each other. We got up. God looked down from heaven. He smiled, and he said, Go for it! Glory! Uh, uh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. It's kind of embarrassing, babe. Sorry. It's a great night. I'll tell you this. The best sex. The best sex is between a godly woman and a holy man. And don't let the devil lie to you. Don't take it for a second that anything else other than that is God's best for you. That's God's best. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.